there. Now turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. Pastor Brian kicked off the series in Philippians last week because it was a holiday weekend. Some of you may have been gone. I'm going to do a little kind of summary. The series is called Secrets of Joy because really Paul's going to talk a lot about joy. and He's even going to refer to the secrets at times. Like maybe it was kind of unknown. And we're going to look at three secrets of joy yet today as we're going through the message. But today's message, we're going to start in verse 12. I've actually titled Purpose in the Pain. You'll understand why here in a moment. Purpose in the pain. How can we find purpose in our pains? Now, Paul's, Paul started on his second missionary journey, and he was wanting to go to Bithynia, and, and the Holy Spirit wouldn't let him go. Instead, he had a vision at night, and that vision was of a man saying, go to Philippi, go to Europe, go to Macedonia, northern Greek region. So Paul decided to go. And from that, he started a church. Rich businesswoman named Lydia, slave girl that was demon-possessed, that was saved, and a jailer. Remember Paul and Silas singing in the prison at midnight, and the prison opened up. The jailer ended up getting saved. Kind of a rough way to start a church. You know, you got a rich businesswoman, a slave girl that was demon-possessed, and a jailer all together. You talk about a small group. There you go, right there. But sometimes when we get into small groups, we'll find all kinds of different people. But out of that grew a church in Philippi. Now Paul's in prison. He's imprisoned in Rome. He's waiting for his hearing before Caesar. And this is about 10 or 11 years after he started the church in Philippi. The church in Philippi is going, under, going through persecution. So Paul's writing them this letter called Philippians to encourage them. And so this is where we're at. It's also known as one of the uh, prison epistles. Paul wrote four books of the Bible while he was in prison in Rome. Ephesians, um, Philippians, Colossians that we're going to be going through next, and also Philemon. And speaking of prison, I heard, I heard a, this story recently about there was an accident between a prison bus carrying criminals and a cement mixer. Big crash. And the police said, you need to be on the lookout for a group of hardened criminals. <laughs> oh, you like that one, huh? So what happens when I get away for a couple of weeks? Maybe they get better. I don't know. I think you laughed more than the other services, so... Anyway, so let's start. Philippians 1, verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, he's talking about being in prison, has actually served to advance the gospel. See, he's starting to see some advantage. He's finding some purpose in his suffering. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. The palace guard would have been the praetorium. They were like the imperial guard, and they were chained to Paul. They were taking turns being chained to Paul while he's in prison. And you know what that meant? If they were chained to Paul, what were they going to hear? They were going to hear the gospel. And it sounds like many of them got saved. I mean, you talk about a captive audience. <laughs> they, Paul had their attention. They weren't going anywhere. And we know at the end of the book, he's actually going to say there's people here from Caesar's power, from uh, Caesar's Palace, not the, not the casino. 
Oh, well. You know what I'm talking about. From the palace guard who were actually giving greetings. So they were probably getting saved. So Paul's making the best use of this time. You don't see him having a pity party. Now, how would you be if you were imprisoned unjustly? Some of you are going through suffering right now unjustly. You didn't, you didn't cause it. Somebody is making your life really, really hard. Somebody's saying stuff about you. It's unjust. How do you handle that? I think we're going to learn some great lessons from Paul because that's what's happened to him. And so as we keep reading here, he says, verse 13, as results become clear to the whole palace guard and everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. He wasn't in chains because of being a criminal. It was actually for Christ. And it says, because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. See, Paul recognizes, I found a couple good things happening through my imprisonment. First of all, the gospel spreading. You can't chain the gospel, can you? So the gospel spreading. Also, the other Christians who are there are becoming more bold. They're sharing the gospel without fear. Why? Because they're seeing what Paul's going through, and they're saying, boy, if, if he can do that while he's in prison, why can't I do that? Now, I want you to think about it for us. What if all of a sudden we started going through intense persecution? I, and I believe it. It's very possible it could happen someday. It's happening throughout the world. What if we start going through great persecution for the sake of Jesus, the gospel? I'm sure some people would be like, well, we're just going to go into hiding. We got to get out of here. We're, we're going we're to just like, oh, we don't want to say anything. We don't want to ruffle any feathers, you know? Others of you are going to be like, I'm going to take a more bold stand. That's what Paul was experiencing with these people. Christians were becoming more bold, more confident. They were sharing the gospel without fear. That's the right attitude to have. We don't want to cave, like throw in the towel and be like real silent because of persecution, do we? As a pastor, I want you guys to be strong in the face of opposition, now, I'm not saying you go and create your own opposition, okay? But I'm saying for the sake of the gospel, not because you're being a jerk of some sort, okay? That doesn't get you any points for that. So, here's our first point, and I think I see this in Paul's so much. Don't let unanswered prayers deflate your faith. See God at work. Don't let unanswered prayers deflate your faith, like, oh, man... I've been praying for this. I've been praying for to being released from prison. It's just not happening. Oh, I'm, I, my faith is just going down. You know what Paul did instead? He said, like, working, working God work in this situation. I'll, I'll give you an example. A good friend of mine, he's been with me, on, him and his wife, on many mission trips. They're going with us to Guatemala in November. He and his wife were visiting family on the other coast of Florida. He had a medical emergency. And he ended up spending a lot of time in the hospital as a result of this medical emergency. And he's much better now. In fact, he's going with us, like I said, in November. But it, he was here recently, and, his, and he, I was talking to him and his wife, and his wife said, and I know she, he wouldn't say it because he's, he's a humble guy, but his wife told me, he said, he led 20 people to Christ while he was in the hospital. <laughs> 20 people to Christ while he's in the hospital. 
And then she said, he even led the person that was in the back of the ambulance with him to Christ. I mean, you talk about finding purpose in the pain, looking for how can God work in this situation. I have another friend who was in the first service today. He'd been in the hospital so many times. I've gone and visited him. And, and every time he goes, it's like, it's a mission trip. I'm going there. I don't know who God's going to connect me with this person or that person. See, that's what we need to do. When we go through difficult times in life, how can we find God at work? You know, sometimes you're like, oh, I'm praying for this. I pray for this. Oh, then this didn't happen the way I prayed. Don't let it deflate your faith. See God at work. And, and here's the next point. They're going to come kind of quickly here for a moment. A measure of our character is how we act when things don't go our way. Let that one sink in for a little bit. How do you act when things don't go your way? And it can be on very basic things. I was waiting for that parking spot, and somebody pulled in right in front of me. Somebody cut me off. Somebody didn't use their turning signal. And I was waiting, and then they turned. That's the type of stuff sometimes they can just set people off. How do you act when things don't go your way? It's really a measure of our character. And I've been walking with the Lord now for 42 years. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Hey, none of us have arrived, right? But I know one thing. I'm not where I used to be. I think about some of those early days, and I'm glad I'm not there. Christ is a way of changing us if we let him. But we can resist it, too. God is at work in each and every one of your lives. We just sang about making room for God. Have your way. Do you? Is it a nice song, or is it really a prayer of ours? God wants to work in our lives. We see this in Paul's life. I'm sure the Philippians were thinking, you know, Paul, it doesn't make any sense. You were in a prison here in Philippi with Silas. You sang some songs at midnight. The prison doors opened up. Why doesn't that happen in Rome? See, sometimes we can put God in some type of box, like a formula, like, well, it happened this way. It should always happen this way. God doesn't have to act that way. Oftentimes when you see the healings of Jesus, he'd heal people and he used different methods. And he didn't heal every person. We were in Israel, we were at the Pool of Bethesda where he healed one man, one paralytic man at that Pool of Bethesda. But the whole place would have been full of people and he only picked one person to heal that day. I don't understand why some people aren't healed. I still pray for the sick. I still believe in faith. So Paul... You see him very active, sharing his faith, and others were stepping in. And here's our next point. Our goal as Christ followers, our goal is not to avoid suffering, but use it for God's glory. How can what you're going through, that difficulty that you're facing right now, maybe it's at work, maybe it's with a neighbor, maybe it's with a family member, how can you use that difficulty for God's glory? Our goal is not to avoid all type of suffering. If that's the case, we're going to go and we're going to go live off the grid. We're going to move to the mountains and we're going to grow our own food and we're going to try to cut ourselves from all people. And you know what? You can still get sick. There's nothing foolproof. But here's where I found it. It's a little silly type of thing. But today I, I know there's many what I'm going to call bubble wrap Christians. A bubble wrap Christian 
They're doing everything possible to avoid any type of potential suffering. And they're very restricted. They're very limited. But they're protected in some way. I'll, I'll give you an example of when uh, I, I was telling people we were going to Israel, taking a group of people to Israel. <gasps> what? Israel? That's dangerous. You, you can't go there. I have family members say that. Let me tell you what's dangerous. I-95. <laughs> That's what's dangerous. You know what? You can't put bubble wrap all around you and live this protected life like nothing's ever going to happen. It's restrictive. It's not the way God's meant us to live. He wants us free. He who the Son says free is free indeed. Am I right? I know there's some kids that are going to want to come up here at the end and pop those bugs. If not, I will. So let's keep reading. Verse 15. It is true. See, Paul's connecting this with the people that became really bold and started sharing their faith. He says, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel, but the former preached Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. I love Paul's attitude, this next verse. But what does it matter? I don't know how you would be if people are doing things in a wrong way. But I think it's a challenge to all of us. What does it matter, he says? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice, he says. Rejoice is an expression of joy. He's got joy and it's coming out. And he says, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. See, he had faith even in what he was going through. Now, I think this is good to stop and talk for a moment. As a church, and I love our church, and I hope you love your church, but we're not the only church. There's many wonderful churches in our community, and I want you to know something. We are not in competition with any church, okay? When we had our last men's retreat last November, we had three different pastors from other churches, not our own, speak at that conference, Okay? This coming Thursday, we have a pastor staff meeting here. We get all of our pastors from all of our campuses together. There's about 25 of us. And we're having the senior pastor of First Baptist of Melbourne, Scott Wilson, is going to be coming and speaking to our, to our pastors. Pastor David Palmazano, a few months ago, spoke the weekend services at First Baptist of Melbourne. See, we can work together with other churches. We're not in competition. And what Paul's saying, hey, hey, who cares if we're different in those respects. But see, sometimes people treat churches like sports teams, like our, our team is better, our church is better. And, and no, we don't want to ever be like that. Now, I will say this. If there's a church out there that's not just doing it in the wrong way, but it's false doctrine, you know, like there's many ways to Christ and you fly in the rainbow flag and all that stuff, we're, we're not a part of that, Okay. But we can partner with other churches, even if they do things a little bit differently, as long as the gospel is centered. Amen? They preach the word of God. That's the key. 
And what Paul was saying here is, you know what? Even if people are doing things a little wrong, I don't care. Christ is being preached. I know there are probably churches, maybe pastors, maybe that maybe are in it for the wrong reason. That's not me for me to judge. Christ is preached. And so Paul was saying that. Now also, you see him just really, really wanting to rejoice and to continue to rejoice. I think it's good to stop here and say, what's the difference between joy and happiness? Probably a lot of you know this difference, but happiness is really connected to our circumstances. It's like when something happens, it can cause us happiness. Happiness is not good or bad. It's kind of a neutral thing. You know, it's, it's like where joy is more internal. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So get, let me give you an example. You buy a new car. Oh, you're so happy when you're pulling out of that dealership. It's all shined up for you. Even the t- tires are nice and shined up. You're driving out, and you look at, like, everybody that on the road, they, they're all looking at you. At least that's what you think. Oh, look at them driving that new car. Probably have to have your windows down so they can see you, right? <laughs> Got that new car smell. Oh, I'm just so happy. And then you thought, well, i got to get some food, so I'm going to go and pull it into Publix. I'm going to park. I'm going to go in. And you come out, and there's a c- cart that hit your car and put a scratch in it. I actually know a family member that that happened. Now you're not happy anymore. Now you're upset. Why did that cart have to put a scratch in my brand new car? So I know some of you try to prevent, so you're parked way a long ways away from all the other cars. Keeps that from happening. But that's happiness. Happiness goes up, goes down, depending on circumstances. Joy, on the other hand, is something that's a byproduct of our relationship with God. And it's, it's, a, it's a part of the fruit of the Spirit. And it's not dependent on circumstances. You can have joy even in difficult situations. You know, I was reminded of Jesus. He was, uh, sent his disciples out, and they were doing ministry. They were casting out demons and healing people, preaching people. And they, they came back all excited. Oh, Jesus, even the demons are subject to your name. And Jesus said this, don't rejoice so much about that. Rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. If you're a Christ follower... That's where you can have the source of your joy at knowing that your name is written in a book in heaven, that when you're out of here, you're in there. Amen? That's why you can have joy. Now, if you don't have that joy yet, we're going to give you an opportunity. In each of our other services, many people have given their life to Christ, and you can do that today. God can write your name in that book of life and say, that child is mine. I've paid for their sins now. They've put their faith and trust in me. Amen? Now, if you, all you're doing, though, in life is searching for happiness, you're always going to fall short. You're going to be like, if only I have this, then I'll be happy. And what's going to happen? You're going to get that. And next thing you know, it's going to be for sale. I'm going to put it out on the garage sale, or I'm going to put it on Facebook Marketplace. Boy, at one time I thought that was going to make me happy. I'll give you a personal example. When we lived in Iowa... I don't know that I was all that happy. And part of it was I was kind of running from the call of God in my life. But that's a whole other story. I've talked about that. But there was, there was a long period of time where we were praying about Florida. And I, I really thought this. I was like, man, if I could live in a warm climate, Iowa's very cold. It's, it's got a long winter. 
Some of you have been up north, you know. If I could have a swimming pool, ooh, wouldn't that be great? Nobody in Iowa had swimming pools. And if I could live on a body of water, like a, like a little lake or something, oh, I would be set. And you know what God did? He moved us to Florida in the year 2000, got a house on a little lake with a swimming pool. And about two or three weeks after we moved, I remember one evening clearly getting so down that I was practically in tears. It was almost like a brokenness that was going through me. Because you know what I realized? God was so gracious to give me everything I longed for, and I still didn't have the satisfaction that comes from my relationship with Christ, that needed to come from, from following Christ. Some of you are thinking, if only I have this, if only I have that, then I'm going to be made, then I'm going to be happy. You're probably going to get it at some point in time, and you're going to realize you're still going to have that same emptiness, that that can only be filled with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Am I right? Now, it doesn't mean you can't enjoy great things, and we use our swimming pool, and the grandkids enjoy it, and I enjoy it, but that isn't, that isn't, that's not what my drive in life is. At least it shouldn't be. Let's talk about the joy of Jesus. Look at the passages on the screen. John 15, 11. Jesus said this, I've told you this, that my joy, in other words, the joy of Jesus, may be in you. That's where he wants his joy to be. And that your joy may be complete. He wants our life to be full of his joy. In the prayer that he's praying to the Father for his disciples in John 17, he says, I'm coming to you now. But I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they, really talking about all of us as disciples, may have the full measure of my joy within them. There's two real important things you can see. It's his joy, and he wants it to be in us. Am I right? Makes it very clear? So what is the joy of Jesus? I tried to simplify. I really meditated on what is that joy of Jesus. And you look at that statement at the bottom. The joy of Jesus for all of us, is that God loves me, lives in me, and I trust his control. Now, I'm guessing that most of you can say the first two parts, that you know that God loves you, and you know that he lives in you through the Holy Spirit. But do you trust his control? Do you really trust that he knows what's best for you? Do you give him the remote control, so to speak, of your life and say, God, you're complete control? That's where real joy comes from. When we have that kind of trust relationship with him, that he's in control, I'm not. I'm still learning. I'm still trying to get there. I'm not 100% in this. I'm a lot better than I used to be. But that's where the joy that I think what Paul's talking about, he can have no matter what's happening. Let's keep growing. Verse 20, so I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. See what Paul's saying there, I don't want to be ashamed, I don't want to miss out, I don't want to do things wrong, whether I live or die, I want Christ exalted, glorified in the way I live and the way I die. Do you know we can, we can die in the right way too? We can go out like breaking the, the tape, so to speak, of running our race for God. He said, I don't want to be ashamed. I want to. 
And then this next verse is like a refrigerator verse. Probably some of you, it might be a life verse for you. Verse 21, for to me, in other words, Paul's saying, as far as I'm concerned, to live is Christ and to die is gain. How many of you are true Christ followers? Just raise your hand up. You're a true Christ follower. Do you know what you can say? That death is a gain. Am I right? Because where are we going? We're going to heaven, right? Death is truly a gain if you're a Christ follower. But I don't believe every Christian can say the first part, to live as Christ. Because a lot of Christians that I know of, it's to live is to have a, bank, a fat bank account. To live is to have children. To live is to have a, a healthy lifestyle. To live is to have just this right job. Oh, to live is to retire. To, and, and you fill in the blank. That there's a master passion that people have in their life that's not like Christ isn't number one, but there's all these other things like this is my passion. This is what I'm living for. My career, my family, my job, the finances, what on my sports, you know. And what Paul's saying there, for me to live is Christ. I think that's a challenge for every one of us. Can you say that? To live is Christ. Everything else is after that. We know that die, to die is gain, but to live is Christ. That's where I want to be, to live is Christ. This is why Paul, he could be thrown in prison, he could be stoned, he could have all these terrible things happen to him, and he goes right back to sharing the gospel. It doesn't stop him. I mean, what would we do if we were persecuted? Well, I'm going to be out of here. I'm done. Don't want anybody to know. Not Paul. See, Paul knew that death was probably a real gain from his experience, and uh, we'll talk more about that in a second, but I'm going to share with you three joy secrets. The first one is this, glorify God no matter the circumstances. Glorify God no matter the circumstances. Life, death, persecuted, not, no matter the circumstance, our goal is to live for Christ, to glorify Him. The first part of our mission statement is that we exist to glorify God. And that needs to be our master passion, is that we glorify God. And we'll see the second one here in the next verses. Verse 22. If I'm to go on living in the body... See, Paul didn't know whether he was going to live or not because, remember, he was in prison. He was going to stand before Caesar, and he might be going to be executed. He didn't know. He said, if I'm going to go living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. In other words, I'm going to stay active. I'm going to continue to share the gospel. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ. Now, I I think that's really important. It's not I just depart and go to heaven. Why was heaven appealing? It's to be with Christ. That's why it should be appealing to us. It isn't so that we don't have to work anymore. So we don't have to pay any more bills, so we can eat without gaining weight. <laughs> it's to be with Christ. So Paul says this, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. There's no comparison between heaven and earth. But it's more necessary for you, talking about this Philippian church, these believers, that I remain in the body. And convinced of this, he says, I know that I will remain and that I'll continue with all of you for your progress 
and joy in the faith. In other words, Paul says, I know I would much rather be in heaven. It's so much better. But for your sake, I want to see you progress. I want to see you grow. I want to see joy in you like I have this joy. I want to see you have joy in the faith. Verse 26, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. He says, like, I hope to be with you again and that I can just see you boasting, worshiping the Lord, just so exalted in the Lord. And as a result of me, just sharing my faith, discipling you, even from prison. So here's the joy secret number two. Prioritize serving others above yourself. Put others ahead of yourself. Priority. Paul didn't say, like, man, I want to be out of here. He said, I know it's so much better for you. I'm going to stay, and I'm going to stay involved with your life. I want to see you progress. See, we all have the tendency to be selfish, don't we? It's the default to the human body, selfishness. And you watch it, little, little kids. They don't have to be taught to be selfish. It comes naturally. Some of us are still little kids, I think. But we can override that with the Spirit of God. We can put others first, and that's where real joy comes from. Do you know the happiest people I know of are people who are serving the Lord? See, we're either like, serve me, serve me, serve me, serve me, or what can I do for you? I want to serve you. That's where real joy comes from. I see it on the mission trips. When I go on these mission trips, we're serving the people in different countries, very poor people oftentimes. They can't pay us back. They can't even really speak the language and express gratitude. But you know what? We feel something inside of us that comes from the Holy Spirit that blesses us beyond anything anybody can do for us. It's more blessed to give than to receive is what Jesus said. How can we put others ahead? Well, join a serve team. We'll give you some great opportunities here in the church. Join a serve team. Help with their kids' ministry. Serve in the parking lot, guest services. Do you know we have people right now serving in the cafe, in the bookstore, all on our cameras, our production people, people that go out of here from our church and to serve in different areas of our community and outreach, all different opportunities. And you may say, well, that sounds kind of like you're just promoting your church. Then find another nonprofit organization. Find another Christian organization where you can serve, use your gifts for the Lord. We also do it through our giving, through our finances. As we sow into the kingdom of God, we are, we are putting others, especially God in that situation, above ourselves. And let me tell you something. You will be so much more blessed, so much more joy as you put others ahead of yourself. We're going to skip down to verse 27 now. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Paul's saying here, whatever happens, I know you're going through persecution, Church of Philippi, but be people of integrity. Suffer well. Don't throw in the towel. So whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. And then he's going to tell us how to do it. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. 
This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. That's striving together there. Verse 27. This is not striving against each other. It's striving together. Uh, in the original Greek, it was like a, a, an athletic term of like players on a team striving, working together for a common goal. Do you know as Christians, we're not designed to do this life alone. There's no lone rangers in Christianity. We are together. We serve together. We pray together. This is why small groups are so important. If you're not in a small group, you have to get into a small group. You're going to continually hear us talking about it over and over and over. You're going to be sick of it. And then we're still going to talk about it. Because we need each other. You can't build a relationship with 1,000 people in here. But you can with 12 people in a living room or a classroom. People that know your name. People that pray for you. You can bring needs to them. You can help meet needs. Somebody's in the hospital, and you're going to go visit them. So you're going to bring a meal to them. That's what small groups are all about, building relationship with other believers. And we have so many ways you can do that. But we're not going to force you into it. We're just going to provide lots of opportunities for you to do it. So he says there, strive together, there in verse 27, in unity for one of the faith and of the gospel, without being frightened. In other words... I know you're going through persecution. The natural tendency is to fear. He says, don't be frightened by those who oppose you. You know, by you doing that, you set yourselves apart. You look different. They're the ones that's going to be destroyed. You're not. It says, this has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him. Oh, why does this last part have to be in there? But also to suffer for him. We all want to believe in him, right? None of us want to suffer for him, but it's a, way, it's a part of life. We live in a fallen world. There is demonic influences here. We will suffer. It says that you will also suffer for him since you're going through the same struggle you saw I had and now still and here that I still have. Paul's saying, I'm not making light of it. There is, there is tribulation here on this earth. There is problems. Uh, when I think of suffering, I think of so much of, the, of Job. If you read the book of Job, it's kind of an interesting book. Chapter 1, you see Satan attack Job. God pulled his hand of blessing from Job, only certain areas, but you see Satan take away his family, his livelihood, his health. And then you have these two things go on through the whole book of Job. Job's crying out like, God, why am I suffering? I didn't do anything wrong. And then he has these friends come. Well, Job, you must be doing something wrong. You're suffering. Both of those statements were incorrect. We will suffer as a result of just being on this earth. So remember, the whole thing is how can we find purpose in it? How can we use it for God's glory? How can we shine brighter in the face of darkness? And if you can learn this, you're going to set yourselves apart from other people. People are going to say, I don't know if I believe exactly what you believe, but I want what you have. I remember my wife and I praying for my sister and her family for many years. They'd come and visit, invite them to church, and they, they weren't interested. And years later, they came to Christ. And I still remember them saying, all that time, 
we were watching your life. We were studying you. And we realized you had something we didn't have. Do you know people are studying your life? Unbelievers in your family, maybe co-workers, neighbors, schoolmates, people watching your life. And when everything's going great, the believer and the non-believer look alike, don't they? There's no real difference when everything's going great. But what about when there's suffering? What about when there's difficulty? That's where we shine. That's where we have something different because we pull from the Spirit of God and we have a joy in the midst of that storm. A non-believer doesn't have that. And I think maybe that might be a part of the reason why God at times will allow us to go through some suffering. And he'll bring us through it. And when we get on the other side of it, we will be stronger and better as a result of it. But there's also a ripple effect of other people, other situations. You know, heaven's going to be very interesting. When we get to heaven someday, I think we're, we're going to see like, oh, I went through this. I thought that was such a terrible thing. But now I see how God used that in so many other ways. Remember, find purpose in that situation. The last passage I want to... Oh, I don't know if I did joy. Did I do joy secret number three? Okay, here it is. Stand firm with others in faith and unity. Team Jesus wins. Team Jesus wins. Amen? You may have your favorite sports team that's playing today, but I know one thing. Team Jesus wins. But we do this together. We stand firm in the faith and unity. As I get ready to wrap this up, I'm going to close with Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 on the screen. Because you're going to see the suffering of Jesus and the joy that he had. It starts in verse 1 saying, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, a cloud of witnesses really of all those people in chapter 11 prior that were people of faith, they were persecuted. They went through all these difficulties. They stood, whether they, whether they lived or not, they stood for the Lord. He said, we have these cloud of witnesses. So then the message is to us. Let us throw off everything that hinders. See, there's things that hinder us in our walk with Christ. And the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance. In other words, we're not going to give up. We're going to stand firm. Let us run the race marked out for us. And how do we do that? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. We fix our eyes on Jesus. He is the perfecter. He is the finisher of our faith. He is the author of our faith. But then look at the next part is, for the joy set before him. This is Jesus now. The joy set before Jesus. He endured the cross. Would you say there was suffering there? He endured the cross scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What was the joy set before Jesus? You can raise your hand up. You are the joy that was set before him. See, Jesus knew the only way to reconcile sinful people to a holy God was for me to come to this earth as God in human flesh, live a sinless life, and go to the cross to pay the penalty, even though there was a tremendous amount of suffering and t- tremendous amount of shame that he had to endure, but he did it for the joy that was set before him, and that's for us. He found purpose in his pain. Am I right? And it was you and me. 
And what Jesus is saying here in his word is that now I want you to throw off those things that are hindering you, those things, those sins are entangling you, and run that race. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we wrap this message up, Lord, there are so many great principles in your word here. First of all, I pray for all those who are suffering unjustly. Right now, they're going through some form of suffering, and it's not their fault. But help them, Lord God, find you at work. Help them to find some purpose in their pain. Lord, I know that there are some who are they're dealing with persecution, people that are making their life miserable. And I pray, Lord God, that they would forgive, that they would turn it over to you. Help them out, Lord. I pray, Lord, for those who are just lack joy right now. Maybe they're seeking it in the wrong place. They're waiting for, for someone to serve them instead of someone that they can serve. I pray, Lord God, that you would build us up and put your joy in us and let that joy be complete, the joy of Jesus, that you're in control of our life, that we know that you love us, that you live in us, and we trust you that you are in control. Lord, remind all of us that we are on the winning team, that team Jesus wins, but we are to do this life together, standing strong, striving together in unity. And while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I know there's a number of you that are not yet on Team Jesus. You're living for yourself. You don't have joy. You know you're empty inside. But you want it. You want that relationship with God. You know it comes from God but you've had such a hard time. You've listened to the enemy's lies or you've gotten off track. Maybe you walked with the Lord at one time and then somehow you, you got distracted. The sin so easily entangles, as we just read. But you want to give your life to Christ. In a moment, we are going to stand and sing. And I just really feel, I didn't do this in the other services, but I really feel so strong in my spirit that I'm supposed to do this right now. I'm going to be standing right down here and while we're singing, if you want to give your life to Christ or make a recommitment to Christ, I know it's a bold step, but Jesus hung on a cross boldly for you and me. And I'm just going to ask that you would come out of your seats and come and stand down here. We're going to pray. And you're going to hear people cheering and clapping because they're going to be so excited and happy for the decision that you're making, that you're taking that decision. You're going to decide, I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what. And let me tell you, that's where real joy comes from, and you're going to experience it. You're going to feel the Lord move. So would you stand with me? As our worship band leads us in this one last song, I just want to invite you, if you want to give your life to Christ today, it's easy to raise a hand up. It's easy just to say, oh, yeah, I'll do it. But I, let me tell you, it's a little harder to get out of your seat and come down here. But I really feel like that's what God wants you to do today. Just like people took a step at baptism, this is another step of saying, I decided I'm going to follow Jesus. So let's sing. Please come if this is you today. You know the Holy Spirit speaking to you. This is my desire to
God's speaking to you in the balcony too, I know. If you're, if, if you're up in the balcony, you can make your way on down these set of stairs. We'll wait. If you're here with someone and you want them to come down with you, that's perfectly fine. Just that person that you're with said, would you come down with me? It happens all the time. It's tremendous to see the Spirit of God working right now with these individuals, right? Are you willing to leave five minutes later for the sake of the eternity of people's souls? Amen. Now, some of you, I know your, your, your palms are sweaty. You're like, oh, man, I know I'm supposed to be down there, but it's just too hard. You're amongst friends. If you can't take a stand for God in here, where can you take a stand for God? You are amongst friends. And you know what? The rest of us, we've done this at one time in our lives. And it changed everything. So I just want to encourage you to come. And we're going to pray here in a moment with these individuals. But I'm going to ask Shane to sing one more time. And if you're there and you know, like, man, I, I don't want this time to slip away. I want to be there. Just make your way. Bring a, pre- bring a person that you're with. They will wait. Yeah, come on. you that are down here. There may be a couple of you that are here with a friend. But let me tell you something. You're not joining the church. We don't even have membership here, okay? What you are joining is the family of God. And that's universal. And I'm going to lead you guys in a prayer. And then we're going to have some people come around you, and they're going to just uh, love up on you. We may need a few extra people. If you're uh, one of our spiritual leaders here in the church, you've just been commissioned to come down and talk to these people, okay? Because we need some people. I don't know how many people are here, but there's, there's at least uh, over two dozen of you. And so let's pray, okay? And I'm just going to lead you in this prayer. And here's what I'm going to have you do, since there's so many of you. Repeat it out loud, okay? Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. But I know Jesus came to this earth. Come on, pray it real loud. I know Jesus came to this earth. He died on the cross for all of my sins. And he rose from the third day. Please forgive me of all my sin. I commit my life to Christ. Send your Holy Spirit to come live in me. As I follow you from this day forward, in Jesus' name, amen. Awesome job. Awesome job. Awesome job.
And let me just tell you this. If you truly meant it, you meant it from your heart, guess what's happening in heaven right now? God's written your name in a book of life, and there's a celebration amongst the angels. Amen? The angels celebrate. The Bible says when one person repents of their sin, there's a celebration in heaven. I can't tell you how much, how many celebrations are happening right now. So awesome job. For all the rest of you, um, if you have a loved one that's here, if you could just hold on for a little moment as we just get a chance to talk and pray with these. Um, as you're making your way out, if you are new to the church, by the way, welcome. Uh, we have our connect circle out in the commons. Just make your way out there. Um, we will have our offering boxes are out there for giving your tithes and offerings. And I, I just blown away with what, what the Lord is doing. Amen. Praise the Lord. Remember, if you signed up for Pizza with the Pastor, if you can make your way on up to Pizza with the Pastor, that would be great. God bless you all.